Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Berhantu with me, Hafiz Rahman. Thank you so much for listening. This episode, I would just want to give a bit of um, heads up, is uh, the trigger warnings, alright? So there's a mention of suicide. So if you're feeling very vulnerable right now and you are not in a good space, so I would suggest that you don't listen to this because it can get quite... Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's... Essentially, a story about a man who thinks he is spiraling further and further into depression until something supernatural happened and then he realized that it's just uh, the voices that he hear in his head is not his. Okay? Now, very interesting night. Okay, so for those of you who are still here, thank you so much for listening. Um, This episode is about a policeman. Now, I have shared with you guys an experience or stories about policemen in my earlier... Um, episodes of Berhantulah but I think this is something that's entirely different and something that's quite um, scary I would say because this really um, meddle with someone's safety and um, life yeah alright now this is a story that has been shared by a fellow policeman so he just he wants to remain anonymous because he feels that he doesn't want to expose himself um, and he doesn't want sympathy and all that. Um, he has since quit the force, okay? So he was a policeman for about six years before he quit because of this whole incident that has happened to him. It's very unfortunate that in the course or in the line of his work, he had to go through this um, because of one unfortunate event. So this event happened on the sixth year that he was working. So after this incident happened, over the period of about five months, he said that he was going through something really terrible. And then he quit his job and then things got slightly better. So this guy, um, he was working at... Um, so he's, he's a regu- regular policeman, okay, the sign-on. And he um, works at one of the police posts somewhere in the West, okay? So he is married, um, no kids, all right? And he lives with his mother. So he and his wife lives with, lives with his mother lah, um, in a forum flat somewhere in the West also. He was uh, working one night when he got, of course, uh, the call of uh, domestic violence, so he said, I remembered very vividly that night because that was the start of the horrifying things that happened over the next five months. He got a phone call, um, or he, he got the, um, well, whatever you call it, lah, okay? So he had to go and manage this incident of domestic violence. So he went with his friend, okay? So the beginning of Kawanda, went to this place somewhere in Taman Jurong, all right? Um, so when he entered the place, he saw a woman was just standing outside, just crying, and her hair was in a mess. Okay? Uh, macam, rambut dia macam dah kena jambak lah gitu, like, like it's been a mess lah. So she was crying. And when the police came, um, when he and his friend came, the woman said, he tried to kill me in Malaysia. Cakap, dia, dia, nak, dia nak bunuh aku. So when they looked inside the house, they saw a man sitting on a um, chair, just folding his arms. And he was smiling, okay? So, because it's a case of domestic violence, right? Um, I think one of the neighbours actually 
called and tipped the police that they were making a lot of noise. So she was crying. So uh, this this guy said that she was crying. Um, the wife was crying. There was no one else in the house actually. The kids weren't there. I don't know whether they even had kids. Um, but there were not. Uh, there were no children there. It was just the wife and the husband. So the husband was sitting in the living room, facing the window, lah. You know. So it's a it's a, uh, rumah rumah L. Okay, so it, it's it's rumah L. So he's just sitting by the bed. Okay, in the living room, are uh, facing the the door and the, where the window is. And then she is outside lah. So she's crying and all that. So she keep on repeating the same thing. Like he tried to kill me. He tried to kill me. He tried to kill me. So the this guy, uh, this policeman guy was like, okay, okay, relax, chill. Okay, let me just assess the situation. All right. So he said, he asked permission from the girl, uh, from the lady. Like, can I enter the house and interview your husband and talk to your husband? And so they're like, okay. And she's like, yeah, yeah, you, you can go in lah, you know. So one of the, so his, his friend, the other policeman was outside with the lady taking um taking a report doing the report lah right taking the testimony from the wife and he went into the house um so he took off his shoes lah of course he took off his shoes because he's a muslim house and he sees he's a fellow muslim so he took off his shoes and he went into the house so he kept a distance he kept a distance um and he was talking to the husband so he was just asking questions like can you please tell us what happened what 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 caused the fight? We we receive a we receive a a phone call from your neighbor saying that there was, uh, a case of domestic violence in this house. So you know, can you please, you know, uh, let us know lah what's what's happening and all that. So when he's asking these questions, right, this guy, dia tak berbual tau. Dia senyum aja dekat this policeman. So after he asked, so he was just sitting there, he was just smiling at the policeman. So this guy was like a bit unnerved, you know. Because the way he smiled is very weird. It's not like a normal smile. He said that I think there is a possibility that he was possessed. But I wasn't sure and I couldn't be sure because this is the first time I'm seeing this guy and this is the first time I'm seeing him just seated there with um the uh, with his arms folded. So he overheard the wife from the from the corridor saying he took a knife and he wanted to stab me. So they they damit pisau they they nak they nak they nak they nak bunuh kakak. Um. So the other friend was also a fellow Malay guy lah. So it's these two Malay policemen who came for the um to this to this whole domestic violence scene lah. Okay. So when he heard that, he said, "Pisau nya mana?" You know, he asked the guy, "Pisau nya mana? Where's where's the knife? Where did you put the knife?" And at this point of time, he was actually quite far away because he said that there's a there's some protocol where you cannot be too close to them because number one for safety um you know because you do not know when they can just they can just lunge at you you know and, and hurt you and number two is it's part of protocol you know um so he said that this was pre pre covid so no mask and, and nothing but still have to maintain the dis- the distance lah he said that this guy when when he said money pisau right so he asked the guy where's the where's the knife where did you keep the knife so the guy said jangan masuk campur hal rumah tangga aku Okay, he said, but he said the voice was very deep. He didn't know, right? The guy voice is deep or not deep. But he said that when he said it, it looks very. He looks like he's possessed, lah. Because he was smiling throughout, and even when he was saying this this phrase, "Jangan masuk campur haruma tanggaku," he was just smiling. So "Jangan masuk, jangan masuk uh, haruma tanggaku" means do not meddle into my uh, marital affairs. So he said. So he repeated again. You're not answering the question. My question to you is, where did you keep the knife? 
you know. So this guy stood up. And this guy that was arms folded stood up. And he went forward to this policeman. So this policeman took like a couple of steps back. Cakap, stay where you are. Stay where you are, you know. And he was really holding holding the pistol, you know. He's like, stay where you are. So this guy just cakap, you know what he said? Cakap, bye-bye eh. Just that. And then he sat down again. And that was the last thing he said. So he got a bit freaked out. He was a bit unnerved because he said that I do not know whether maybe the 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 knife could be behind him or he was holding it in 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 one hand whatever because when 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 he stood up you know both of his ends which was folded in front actually went to the back macam people in a sedia position uh, no, in a in a senang diri position you know so he just went forward and this policeman went back two steps so he said bye bye eh and he continued smiling. When he said baik baik eh, this guy, this policeman guy said, Hafiz, I felt a gust of wind behind my neck. I didn't think much. I thought it's the fan. Okay. So to cut the story short, they had to take the statement. Uh, the wife decided to go somewhere else for that night, whatever. So they said that um, I went back home to the um, police post and ended my shift and that's it. Alright. By the way, the the, the this domestic violence thing happened around 8 o'clock in, uh, in the evening. Okay, so it wasn't late at night. It was 8 o'clock in the evening. Done. Settle. The next day, so he said that over the course of 5 months after that incident... The next five months, he said that he started to fall into depression. Okay? Or so he thought. Essentially, what the story is about is, menurut, menurut this guy, this policeman, and that man, when he said, baik-baik eh, he might have sent something to me. Okay? He says the word might. He didn't say, this guy sent it to me. I think he's very careful with his words lah. Because dia pun tak nak macam, dia tak nak uh, accuse someone, right? You know, dia tak nak macam fitnah orang. So he just said, he might have sent something to me. Because this is what happened over the next course of five months. So the first month, he said, I became very scared. Like, aku macam anxious and I get scared of um, people. He's like, I do not know why, but I just didn't want to meet my friends. And I was very, like, I always stay in my room. You know, I like to go out with, with, with my wife, go out. So, they're, they're, they're the moto. So, like, he always, like, drive, not drive, like, he always ride with the wife, you know, go everywhere, makan-makan, you know. That's, like, their, their thing, you know. The family planning, lah. He said, I didn't want to have kids first. I wanted to enjoy my um my married life with my wife first before the kids come in. So, uh, at this point of time, he was already, he was only married for about one and a half years. Yeah. So, he was a policeman for about three or four years before he got married. So anyways, dia macam very takut. So he got scared and he says that I became very quiet and I w- I didn't realize this. I didn't realize that it was my wife who told me that I became very scared. And then like whenever she said that, I'm like, where God? I'm okay, right? Like, but she said like, he gets very jumpy. Like whenever there's a phone call, he would jump. You know, whenever people like macam call him from the name, uh, f- call his name from 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 the back, he would like jump. Like, he would get very scared. So like, why are you very jumpy and why are you very scared and all that? So he didn't think much about it because he's like, okay, like, maybe I'm just going through something. Like, maybe it's just problem from work. Okay. The second month was when he heard voices in his head. So the voices. So he thought, and he said, I'm I'm fully aware of what was happening. I'm fully aware of what was happening, that I could be falling into depression. So he said, I actually went to 
a psychiatrist, you know. But the psychiatrist said, maybe it's just due to stress. You just need to take some time off from work, which he did. So he went on a two weeks break from work. Um, because he said that the voices was too much, you know. Um, but when he went to a, this clinical psychologist or psychiatrist, he said that he wasn't diagnosed with schizophrenia. He wasn't diagnosed with bipolar. So the only thing that the lady said was, you could be too stressed at work. Your job is highly stressful. Um, so you need to take some time off to recharge and refuel before you come back to work. So that was, that was what he did. He actually went uh, to um, he went to Langkawila with his wife for about a week and all that. And then they, they came back. And everything was, was okay in Langkawi and, and, and nothing happened. But when he came back to Singapore, he said, things wasn't doing very well for him lah. You know, he said, I was very scared. And and the voices in his head, okay, he says very weird, okay. The voices in his head, okay, I do not know what happens when you hear voices in your head because it has never happened to me. So this is verbatim what he shared with me and this is what I'm sharing with you. So whenever he's alone, he said, he will always hear this voice telling him, Punoa. Buno. So it means kill lah, kill. But he doesn't know kill what. Right? He doesn't know kill what, kill whom. Right? Is it kill himself? Is it kill someone else? Kill the cockroach? Whatever, he doesn't know. But the voice always say, Buno lah, Buno. You know? And it's a man's voice. He said, Buno lah, Buno. But he says, whenever I hear this voice, I always, macam jolt out of it. It's almost as if someone is inhabiting my mind, my brain. So when aku dengar ini suara, aku macam tersentak sendiri. So I'm like, eh, shit. You know? I'm like, oh my god, I really cannot. I really do not know who was that lah, you know? He claimed that this thing was so bad, was so bad to the point where he macam lupa nak solat and all that. You know, to the point where he lupa nak solat and he said that I wasn't intimate with my wife anymore. I kept to myself. You know, I was just on my phone all the time playing games. Pergi kerja pergi, balik kerja balik and all that. The tipping point, um, I wasn't, I wouldn't say the, 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 the tipping point. There were a couple of tipping points, okay? So the first tipping point was when he was in the locker. So they are like locker. They have to macam sign in and sign out the pistol, the 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 pistol, right? So he was in the locker changing, and he was in a in the pistol. He was holding the pistol, and this is what he heard. He heard a voice tell him, "Kalau kau bunuh diri kau, okay ber." So he got, and he said, at this point of time, why I say this is like. The it changed the course of my whole life was because I actually hold the pistol in my mouth, and it was my friend who actually tapped me on my shoulder and said, "Oi, kau buat apa? What are you doing?" So I said, "Eh, nothing, nothing, nothing." So he said, "I was in, I was in a daze. I didn't know because when 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 my friend tapped me on my shoulder." I realized that I had put this gun, this pistol, in my mouth. <sighs> so he said I was in a daze. Macam, aku macam mengelamun lah. Mengelamun, aku tak tahu nak buat apa, whatever. 
So it was affecting his work, you know. And he said that um, it was affecting his work. I think his friends was realizing that something was wrong and all that. Second tipping point, okay. Sepping, uh, sepen, Second tipping point was this. He realized that, I think this is like the third month or the fourth month, that dia kena tolak. He always kena push. And he said that the push is not a regular push. The push is as if someone big and burly pushed him. So whenever he get pushed, he would always either topple forward, like three, four steps. You know how, how like when you, when, you trip, when you trip on something, you would actually like um, go forward like three, four steps. Is that kind of topple? Or to the point where someone will top, like push him on his head. And he says, it's always on my head. It's always on my head. Someone will push me and I would actually like sungkuh ke bawah. Like I would fall down on the floor in front of me. So it's either I would macam, if my balance is a bit better, when, when, when I get this push, I will go forward three, four steps or when someone push, aku akan terjatuh tersungkuh. Now, the second tipping point is, there was one time, he was parking at the side of the road. So they were they were going through, I think he and the friend was, and and, and the colleague was going uh, for some check or whatever lah they were, they were about to do. Bila dia buka pintu, right, well, he said, when I opened the door, I went out of the car, right, and bear in mind, eh, my car was was by the roadside. So it was one of those like parallel parking, right, parallel parking spot, the road, and then the other side of the road, and another parallel parking spot. Uh, he said this happened at around, he said this happened at somewhere around King's Avenue, something like that. He said it was in the afternoon, dalam pukul 12 lebih gitu, we went, I went out of the car, and then before I could close the door, I felt someone push me. But this time around, someone pushed me to the side. And guess what? When someone, when, when he felt something push him to the side, dia terjatuh, kan? And he lie down on the floor, and kereta dah kat depan eh, means another car was, stop. So like the friend got shocked and he, and he got shocked. So he macam tersentak. Because he said, it's really like macam someone wanted to kill me. So he said that this thing wanted to kill me. And and that was the part where he said I had to I had to like, resign lah. I had to give like one month's notice lah because I said I couldn't do it anymore. Yeah. And, and, and he resigned shortly after. But he said that that was the point where he said something is not right. So, bila this incident yang macam dia... Um, terjatuh and kereta almost langgar je so the car almost the car almost like ran him over he finally found the courage to tell his wife what happened so the wife the wife of course was was um, anyways the, he said that the, the relationship between him and his wife suffered throughout but he just said that he couldn't take it anymore and he was crying he said I went back home I cried to my wife I said I nearly died because someone wanted to kill me so the wife asked who wanted to kill you siapa your, your colleague and he said no I felt this someone hand pushing so she, so she asked, is this the first time? And he said, no, that's not the first time. It has happened many times. Pernah kena tolak dekat dalam polis post. Pernah dia tengah macam tengah ambil statement. Ada orang tolak dia for no reason, you know? So the wife said, okay, this is not right. Let's go and find some help. Alright? Now, he also explained to her about the voices that he heard inside his inside his um head. Now, the wife was aware that he went to a psychiatrist. But the wife wasn't aware of this tolak-tolak thing, Right? So they went to say an ustaz. So the ustaz say that actually there is a spirit that has latched onto him. So ada benda ni besar tapi tak tahulah dia makhluk apa because the the ustaz say that 
Jin dan Shaitan ni kan macam perbagai-bagai. There's a lot of versions. Not only like Puntiana or whatever. These are just manifestations. But basically what the Ustaz saw was there is this huge and tall man. Like almost like seven feet tall. Who was just walking beside him. Sorry, no, not beside him. Walking behind him throughout. So bila dia pergi tempat Rukia tu kan. So he went to a center lah. Okay, so he went to he went to a Rukia center. Um, dia cakap bila dia buka pintu. To masuk dalam bilik treatment ni The ustaz actually look at him And the ustaz says Astaghfirullahalazim The ustaz said that So he didn't think much about it So the the ustaz just looked down And then just macam looked at him in the eye And then just blah 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 Talk So about Rukia So about Rukia During the Rukia he said He didn't feel anything But he said I just felt like someone was breathing down my neck Okay Someone was breathing, breathing down my neck And I started crying So, dia cakap aku boleh nangis bukan nangis macam nangis macam like... You know how normal people cry like... Like normal tears falling? No, he said he cry macam terisak-isak. So, he was really like macam bawling his eyes out in front of this ustaz. And he said, I didn't know what happened for that 5 minutes or 5-10 minutes. He said, I was almost... It's it's almost like as if aku dream about it. I dreamed it. So, like when I woke up from my dream, I'm inside this room. So, dia cakap ustaz tu macam uh, baca doa rukiah and all that, you know... Um and then nangis so according to his wife he was crying and crying and crying so when when he realized that the habis the punya rukia tu he realized that his face was wet with like air mata you know then he's like shit why am I crying so then the ustaz said actually there's something behind you you know uh it has been around you whatever so the 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 voices that you hear you know is is them uh or rather is 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 that thing lah you know asking you to kill yourself. So, dia, dia tanya, ini ini saya terlanggar benda ke? Did I hit on something and then something latch on to me? Or did someone send to me? So, the ustaz just say, tak apalah. Tak payah tahu. Yang penting, dia pun makhluk Allah. Saya dah saya dah pulangkan balik tempat asal dia. Jangan lupa buat ibadah. Itu je. That, that's what the ustaz said. So, the ustaz didn't want to say whether um it was an accident. Maybe he accidentally hit something and this thing latch on to him. Or if someone sent, you know. So, when he asked that, the, the ustaz just said, It's okay. That's not important. The most important thing is I have written the thing back to its original place and I want you to just continue your worship, you know? Um. So yeah, so he said that this is something that I can never forget because the checkup, it's... But I think he knows lah. I think deep, deep down, this guy knows that someone has sent that thing but he cannot pinpoint who is it, you know? And dia cakap, bila aku sat down and I, re- I really think about all those cases that I attended to, that was a case that struck me because he said that all the bad things start to happen after I met that man at Taman Jurong who said, jaga-jaga eh. Eh, what's that? Dia cakap apa? Uh, hati-hati or something like that. Uh, jaga-jaga eh. So he said, he said like that. Um, so he said that, I mean, he did say lah, you know, but in most cases, sometimes when you hear voices in your head and when you're feeling depressed and all that, it is important for you to seek mental help and all that. Kadang-kadang kita ni orang Melayu ni macam terlalu taksub sangat dengan benda-benda ni. Padahal, it's a it's a mental uh, issue that needs to be addressed. Tapi kita cakap, ada orang hantar barang. Oh, kita ni macam sakit pasal benda-benda mistik. Sometimes it's not that, you know, but sometimes also it's that, you know. So, he's just, he's just saying that, please exhaust both options. Like, jangan saja pergi pada ustaz, but actually really go to a real psychiatrist and, and all that. Um, but he did share with me lah that this is something that I will never forget because it affected me, you know. And shortly after, I left the job. So now he's now working in logistics lah, you know. 
uh, and he says he's much better now you know um, but that was something that he forgot because he said I've always wanted to become a policeman you know that, that's like my dream job and I and I managed to get the job but I had to stop you know so I did ask him I said are you going to go back to into the force then he just looked at me and he just smiled and I just said no lah I, I don't think so lah I think I think fate has better plans for me it's just like mungkin itu adalah salah satu pekerjaan yang aku dapat rasa lah but it's not it's not my career he said that um so yeah actually i managed to meet him and all that so when he was telling me the story i was just looking at him like, I, i felt quite pity lah because you can really see he's actually like he loves to become a policeman but because of the evil of some people you know um he just couldn't continue being a policeman so uh i asked him whether he did continue to meet the psychiatrist and he said yeah i i, I did um when once more And the diagnosis is still the same lah. The diagnosis is just have a uh, some time away from work. But I did tell my psychiatrist that I was quitting. And she said, if that's what makes you happy, and if you have the next course of plan um, to to recharge yourself and make yourself better, then so be it. You know, then that's a decision that I respect. So yeah, he quit shortly after. And um, yeah, so that's the story I wanted to share with you guys today. Uh, the challenges that some of our policemen have to handle because they have to go to people's houses and sometimes you do not know, you know, what are people capable of or what are the things they have and all that. So this is all the time I have for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that I do not trigger any of you who's suffering uh, from mental illness. And if you do, you know, I wish you all the best. I wish you well and I wish that you rest and talk to someone about it and I'm going through help and seeking medication and all that. So, yeah. Thank you so much. Uh, I know this 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 episode is not as scary, but I think it's also a chance for me to uh, shed light on this issue um, and the struggles that people in the police force face. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I still can never like, macam get over that part yang dia tak tahu yang dia letak itu gun inside his mouth. That is like, sorry to say, that is like fucking scary. When you have zero control over your body, you know? Um, so yeah. So thank you so much guys. Thank you for listening to Berhantu and I hope to share with you more stories um, soon. Good night. Good <laughs> night.